Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Great America Show, Truth, Justice, and the American Way. Thanks for being with us, and we have a lot to talk about today. The war in Ukraine is without question going badly for Vladimir Putin and the Russian military that's now bogged down in Ukraine. They face determined Ukrainian defenders who, it is claimed, have killed as many as 18,000 Russians. But it appears clear now that the Russians are rolling their forces away from Kiev, the capital, located in northwestern Ukraine, in the direction of the Donbass region in eastern Ukraine. There are reports the Russians are having great difficulty in reinforcing and rotating their troops, even more difficulty in feeding and supplying them throughout Ukraine. And certainly, President Volodymyr Zelensky looks and sounds a lot more confident with each passing week. Here in the United States, the Biden White House has a problem that's worsening by the day. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain says none of Hunter Biden's laptop evidence points to the president, only to the president's son and Mr. Biden's brother, Jim Biden. That is the first signal that the Biden White House considers the investigation into the so-called laptop from hell to be a threat to President Biden. This is the first time they've tried to separate the president from his son and his brother as the investigation is apparently ramping up. The two most powerful Democratic newspapers in the country, the New York Times and Washington Post, have now acknowledged the Hunter Biden laptop is real, so the investigation by special counsel John Durham is very real and creating two threats to the Biden administration. A third threat is now beginning to take shape, and that is the legitimacy of the administration itself as more questions arise about what President Trump has called the rigged election of 2020. A special counsel investigation has found sufficient irregularities and violations of election regulations and laws for the special counsel to call for the elimination of the Wisconsin Election Commission. And the special counsel also raised the question of whether the election should be decertified. Our guest today is the man who is leading that investigation, the man who is the special counsel, former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman. Michael Gableman, it is great to have you on the show. Uh, and can you explain to me and to our audience, was the election in Wisconsin rigged or not? Yes. And before I elaborate, I really have to tell you, my friend, what a fantastic job you do and, and all the good you do in bringing your viewers and your audience the truth. And, and you've just been tireless. And it is an absolute privilege to be here. Rigged is exactly the right word. I don't think it was stolen at the ballot box. If it was, I don't have evidence of that. But I do have evidence that it was definitely rigged against President Trump and in favor of Joe Biden. And uh, that rigging uh, is, it's complicated, more complicated than, than I, I have to tell you that I thought uh, the dimension of it, it goes across uh, state lines. It's uh, it involves private money, uh, Zuckerberg money uh, and, and others. Uh, the, the Obama administration seems to still be operating. And I'd like to just start by, uh, if I may, uh, asking you, uh, in, the, in, in Wisconsin, what was the principal finding on your audit uh, and examination uh, that disconcerts you sure. and troubles you the most? Sure. The principal finding that, that disconcerts and troubles me the most is the fact that the mayors of our five largest cities 
sold out the people that they were elected to serve. And what I mean by that is they took Mark Zuckerberg's money to the tune of about $10 million. And then they rented themselves out. They hired themselves out as employees or agents of Mark Zuckerberg. And and more to the point, Zuckerberg's managers, uh, David Pluff and other Obama officials, mm-hmm. whose sole goal was to target Joe, Joe Biden profile voters and get them, get the Biden voters to the polls. And they were able to do it because they signed contracts with each of the cities where the cities became the employees of Mark Zuckerberg and David Pluff. Are you talking about literally became employees or, or, well, or figuratively? Yes, that's a good question. Legally, I would not say employees. Legally, I would call it an agency relationship. An okay. agent is one who is hired to do the bidding of the one who's doing the hiring, but whose day-to-day control is not uh, within the purview of the employer. It's the, what it is, is, it's the application of the maxim that former Governor Dreyfus of Wisconsin used to refer to as the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. And so Mark Zuckerberg came to these five cities, Milwaukee, Racine, Madison, Kenosha, and Green Bay. And he said, this is how you're going to conduct your election. And what I mean by that is the most significant conduct took place prior to actual election day, where they put in place ballot harvesters. They called them voter navigators. They came to town saying that it was going to be a COVID protection plan, which which is given the lie by two facts. Number one, none of the cities ever said that they needed any money for COVID relief. The state, the state, and the feds have already made a lot of money available for that. Fa- and and more uh, significant proof than that is they wound up spending less than one percent of that $10 million on actual COVID protection. The rest was done through the aegis of a, of a group called CTCL, Center for Tech and Civic Life, which is run uh, by a woman, Tiana Epps Johnson, who is a former Obama employee. And her job was to get out the vote and use, use technology to identify, target, and get out the vote of Democrat voters. And she was the one who came to these cities and she had a list of a list of requirements that the cities had to do to target in particular African American voters. Now why is that significant? David Pluff, David Pluff one of the two primary campaign managers for Barack Obama, who brought him up from the streets of city of Chicago activism to the White House. He wrote a book called Citizens Guide Beating Donald Trump. And in it, he said that Hillary lost the 2016 election because she didn't spend enough time in places like Wisconsin and she didn't do enough to get out the black vote. So what do we have? We have CTCL controlled by Mark Zuckerberg through his employee, David Pluff. And what the citizens of of those cities are promised is COVID protection. But what they got was a list of orders to target, to target, Lou, African-American voters to get them to the polls because All of the research shows that when African-Americans vote, they tend to vote about 86% of the time for the Democrat candidate. Mm -hmm. And so this was nothing more and nothing less than a get out the vote using Mark, uh, get out the vote campaign for Joe Biden using Zuckerberg's money, but using the authority of the city of the cities, because the cities were going to provide the infrastructure, right? The cities had to provide, for instance, special vans and buses, and in one case, Winnebago's, to go into African-American communities and get the voters out. That is a, that is a selective procedure. That is a get-out-the-vote campaign for Joe Biden. It was rigged. Wow. 
And, and with that, uh, the margin, uh, the margin that uh, was produced, uh, how, how, how large was it? Uh, uh, first of all, about 20,000, uh, about 20,000 votes out of 3 million cast. And, and there's been audits, there've been examinations, uh, even in some instances, I understand, uh, you know, actual recounts and audits and, and nobody found anything, uh, What's your reaction to right. those other activities on the part of people examining the Wisconsin vote in 2020? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I really wish I was in a, <coughs> excuse me. I, I wish I was in a better position to give your, your audience a more informed answer, but unfortunately the voting machine manufacturers, namely ES and S and dominion who we have served with subpoenas. We're simply not cooperating. They're not going to tell us anything. They don't want to tell us anything about how their machines work. They don't want to tell us anything about what the procedures were uh, that were followed for testing and, and to make sure everything was accurate in the way it should be. Now, I, I think that's absolutely wrong for several different reasons. Number one, if you're going to play a key role in a core governmental function of putting on elections in, in a purported democracy, you better be willing to tell people how you did it. And that should just be factored into your, your cost of doing business. And, and there are all sorts of, so, so I don't believe, I don't believe necessarily that the kind of rigging that went on here would have been detectable by a recount or an audit but I don't know because the machine manufacturers are fighting me right. and they, and, and so by the way, are the government servants so-called who put all of this on. Now the city of Kenosha, I always make an exception for it. They've been pretty cooperative, but all the others are lawyering up in the, in the words of our current governor, the Democrat, Tony Evers, he told all the clerks, when Gableman comes to talk to you, lawyer up, that was his big advice. And then oh. our Democrat, Josh call, yeah, exactly. Our Josh Call, our current Democrat Attorney General, is fighting me in court to prevent me from asking questions of the administrators over at the Wisconsin Election Commission to ask them why they approved all of these things. Why did they approve CTCL coming in and taking over? And when I say take over, take over the elections. Now I'm not speaking metaphorically. We had one character, Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, who wrote the handbook for election day procedures in the city of Milwaukee. He works for CTCL. So therefore he is a Mark Zuckerberg, David Pluff agent. And there he is writing the handbook for which ballots are going to be counted, which ballots are going to be cured, C-U-R-E-D. So if there's a mistake on the paperwork accompanying right. some of it, it's going to be Michael Spitzer Rubenstein who's going to determine whether that ballot gets counted. And the he's agent up in of the Mark city Zuckerberg. of Green Bay. Right. And he's Spitzer Rubenstein of Brooklyn, New York. And if you go on his online media, there's no bones about it. All these people are deep, deep leftist partisans. And, and we haven't even gotten to some of the most systemic and rotten part of it. But Spitzer Rubenstein, just to finish up with him. Sure. He moved to the city of Green Bay. Now, Green Bay is a wonderful town filled with wonderful people. But Spitzer Rubenstein was only interested in the city of Green Bay to ring as many Biden votes as he could. And the mayor, Eric Genrick, wanted nothing more than to beat Donald Trump. So he brings in Michael Spitzer Rubenstein to run the election in the city of Green Bay. Do you know why he was able to do that? Because the longtime clerk, a wonderful public servant, and one of the one of the nice surprises, one of the pleasures of my assignment has been to meet some really fantastic public servants. Well, Chris Teske had been the clerk for almost a decade. She had been an employee for almost 30 years at the clerk's office. Well, she quit two weeks before the election and she told the mayor, all these people from Chicago, CTCL, all these people from New York, Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, have come in. You've put them here, Mr. Mayor, and they've taken over my job, and they don't know Wisconsin election law, and they don't care about Wisconsin election law. So she quit. 
So Eric Genrick, the mayor of Green Bay, looked far and wide to find the best person he could find to run the election on Election Day in the city of Green Bay. And he picked Michael Spitzer Rubenstein. Wow, that's incredible. And and with that, there have been actually no police investigations. By that, I mean official governmental law enforcement investigations of what transpired. Uh, because it surely sounds as though uh, law had to be violated in, in some fashion uh, for the it election. Is fraud, it is election bribery. It is there's crime. There is crim, There is evidence. There is significant evidence, I believe. And I say this as a former district attorney, a former trial court judge and a former state Supreme Court justice. There is probable cause to believe that any number of crimes were violated, any number of laws were violated, any amount of criminal conduct was committed by people both in the city and the people that they brought in from the Zuckerberg group to run their elections. Now, of the five cities in Wisconsin, is Green Bay the only one that fits this, uh, this uh you know, the potential crime uh, template, uh, because it seems like that's pretty much what happened in each one of the well, cities. No, right. Let's back up. I, I believe that the bringing in the $10 million to each of the five, they said it was for COVID safety, but they lied. Okay. Let's just, right. let's just call it what it is. It was exactly. a lie. The whole point of it was to turn out the vote for Joe Biden. In Wisconsin, like in most states, it's illegal to pay money, to pay money to get people to go vote. And that's what Zuckerberg came to town to do. He put it in the contract and he made the cities tell him, he made the cities tell him, how will you identify, target, and get out the vote in the African-American communities? And and that's that's where absentee voting comes in. Because, well, the the data show that when African-Americans vote, they tend to vote at least 86% of the time Democrat. They also tend not, as a group, the statistics show, they tend not to show up to the polls on election day. They prefer to vote at other times. That's where the ballot harvesters, which all these contracts referred to as voter navigators, as if our Wisconsin citizens are so stupid, they just can't figure out how to, how to get their, their ballots in. Well, here you have Mark Zuckerberg paying people to get information from each of the five cities and from the Wisconsin Elections Commission that nobody else has access to. What do I mean by that? If you want to get a daily list of people on our Wisconsin voter rolls, people who've registered, people who have requested an absentee ballot but have not yet returned it, it's available for purchase for $12,500 a day from the Wisconsin Election Commission. But I've got evidence, very strong evidence, and I put this in the report to show that Mark Zuckerberg's agents at CTCL, remember all the former Obama officials and, and uh, campaigners, right. that they were getting this information in real time because they had actual access to the system itself. And then what they did, they hired, they're so good with technology. They're so, they, they hired a guy to create a computer application, an app, to identify by race those people who had requested an absentee ballot but had not yet returned it. And then they used that information to send out ballot harvesters to knock on the doors of these innocent citizens and to tell them, and they could tell them because they had that contract, we're here from the city and we're here to help you put your ballot in. Mm-hmm. All, all as identified by race, because David Plough, he wrote in the book, but he also wrote a letter to the New York Times, a letter to the editor several days after the 2016 election. And he said, remember, this is the guy Zuckerberg hired to run this scheme. He said the reason Hillary lost 
is because she didn't spend enough time in states like Wisconsin, and she didn't do enough to get out the African-American vote. Those were two mistakes that David Pluff was not about to let happen twice, and he didn't. And that, that was the whole purpose of the so-called grants, which were actually contracts for employment, and where the cities are the employees. It are, it's it's interesting too. NPR has a headline now uh, called Mark to the effect Mark Zuckerberg saved the 2020 election uh, and and how he did it. Uh, there's no secret here. Uh, the left is being absolutely straightforward about at least that part of the the story. Zuckerberg's money is what changed the arguably could have changed the outcome of the of the 2020 election uh, I, I personally when i look at pennsylvania i look at georgia arizona uh, nevada michigan uh you know i i i think it, if i didn't mention pennsylvania i want to i'll say it twice if necessary i absolutely believe it did well they, i've seen those headlines too and and uh i think it was time magazine who did an article a few months after the 2020 election similar and, and what they really mean when they say, and what NPR certainly means, is that Mark Zuckerberg saved the Biden campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's, we, we haven't even talked about the, the real systemic corruption here. That, the CTCL thing, that was a, a one-time deal, and that was bad enough. Believe me, I, I just said a few minutes ago, I believe that crimes were committed, felonies were committed. But we've got this entity out there that nobody nobody has ever heard of unless you happen to to work in the field of elections and and that's called eric e-r-i-c the electronic registration information center right now that was an outfit that was created the money was supposed to be from an an anonymous donor that was the plan but a whistleblower blower a few years ago came out and said yes it was george soros who paid for this And he hired a a character, a a real character named David Becker. Now, David Becker is well known for a few things. He's a very smart guy. He's very, very smart, very politically savvy, and he hates Republicans. (laughs) This is on the record. This was one from one of his former uh, bosses who said he Becker sent around emails at the Department of Justice, which he quit under under reasons that boy i'd like to hear david's uh, explanation for why he left the department of justice but be that as may what is on the record is he hates republicans now why your your audience is sitting there going well why is gableman telling us about this electronic registration information center and george soros and david becker and the answer is this because in 31 states including wisconsin there is no more substantive controller of who is on the voter rolls in each of those states than David Becker and the oh. Eric Corporation that he set up with George Soros's money. Well, how did he, that... they say it was right? That's a good question. How did that happen? Well, it happened because it was set up again. It's a lie. Eric says that its mission is to make states voter rolls more accurate. Well, Wisconsin has been a subscriber to Eric. To join Eric, each of the states has to pay something like twenty-five dollars or $35,000 a year. That's what they make publicly available. But what the chair of the Wisconsin Assembly Campaigns and Elections Committee has found is that the state of Wisconsin actually pays hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to David Becker's Eric system. So multiply that by 31 states, and and you're starting to talk some real money. Right. So Wisconsin not only is a subscriber, but the current administrator of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, Megan Wolf, is the current president of ERIC. So right there, that that seems to really call into question some conflict of interest issues. How can Megan Wolf as administrator, but the administrative head of WEC, Wisconsin Elections Commission, sit down at the bargaining table 
And, and who does she sit across the table from when they negotiate the terms of payment, the terms of secrecy, the terms of data sharing? And when I say data sharing, I mean all of the personal information about all of the citizens in each of these states. Let me tell you how good a job Eric has done in keeping Wisconsin's voter rolls accurate. In Wisconsin, we've got about five and a half million citizens, of whom about four million are eligible to vote. When I want to illustrate the problem, the, the deep systemic rottenness of this system, after I tell people those two facts, five and a half million citizens, four million eligible to vote, I ask them, how many people do you think we have on our voter rolls? And if they're tracking with me, they'll say, well, gee, you have four million or less because that's the number of eligible voters. And uniformly, they are as shocked as I was to learn we've got over 7 million oh my names goodness. on Wisconsin's voter rolls because the Wisconsin Election Commission, Megan Wolf's predecessor. Now, it, it sounds like I'm going into a lot of information, and it took me a few days. If you look at this on an org chart, it is beautiful the way they have this set up. Megan Wolf's predecessor was a guy named is a guy named Kevin Kennedy. Kevin Kennedy ran that outfit, the predecessor to WEC, so badly and so leftist partisan that in 2015 our state legislature actually dismantled the agency that he ran because they said it was hopelessly corrupted by leftist partisan politics. Well, guess who sits on the five man and they're all men? board of directors of David Becker's organization, Kevin Kennedy. So Kevin Kennedy set the policy that the good Lord might take a voter off the face of this earth, but Wisconsin election commission will not take them off the voter rolls. So that is, that is a system that, that is a system that is not designed to promote accuracy of our voter rolls. That is a system that is designed to create all sorts of potential pools of corruption and systemic illegalities when it comes to uh, voter malfeasance. So let me, uh, this is absolutely fascinating. Uh, and I have not heard this uh, detail and description of Eric uh, in, in such, in such, uh, such a form. Uh, and, and what you're really saying here is that Kevin Kennedy, who was the reason that Wisconsin uh, <laughs> uh, blew up the previous uh, election commission, uh, he, he was so corrupt that they, in fact, ended up promoting him uh, to right. a loftier position with Eric uh, that now uh, Wisconsin sort of responsible for making Kevin Kennedy a uh, <laughs> He blessing 31 <laughs> other states with his, his control. Not this Wisconsinite. Not this Wisconsinite. <laughs> but yeah, he was certainly given a national platform. He, I have to correct it. I realized that I had left it a little ambiguous because I didn't know how much your audience wanted to digest. Oh, I promise this is the last organization that I'm going to talk about. And it doesn't take long. Uh, it's this audience, Center for Electronic... Let me say this, and I, I don't speak for this audience often, but I, I can tell you this audience wants as much detail about that election okay. and what is happening in their country and to them as uh, American citizens, because all of this is disenfranchisement of the American voter, right. whether you're in Wisconsin, whether you're in California, wherever it is. So we are thrilled to, to hear your view and uh, description. And I, and I do have to say that if I'm going too fast or if, if uh, there's too much, everything I'm talking about is available on our website at the office, Wisconsin Office of Special Counsel, and it's wielectionreview.org. WI, short for Wisconsin, electionreview.org. Got it. Now, the last organization that I want to talk about unless you ask me about others. But the last one that I see as central to all of the fraud that occurred in rigging this election in favor of Joe Biden and against Donald Trump 
is another Mark Zuckerberg-funded entity. You see his his uh, $330 million investment into Center for Tech and Civic Life. Remember them run by Tiana Epps Johnson, who within two weeks of her ending her fellowship at the Obama Center, she is now in charge of distributing CTCL's money to Wisconsin and the other states and telling them how they need to run their elections. And she didn't have far to move after her fellowship, by the way, Lou, you're going to get a kick out of this. The, the office of Center for Tech and Civic Life is in downtown Chicago in the very same office that served as Barack Obama's campaign headquarters. So Zuckerberg oh, hires okay. David. Yeah, you bet. It's a style. I mean, they did it in, in plain sight and, and people who are concerned about honest elections trusted and their trust was abused by the leaders, by the leaders of the election systems. And in our case, the five mayors, see, they had to go through the mayors in our state where in most states, and that's why I believe that Wisconsin is at the forefront of discovering all of this is in most states, it's the secretary of state who has all the power over statewide elections. Right. But about 30 years ago, our legislature stripped the Secretary of State, a guy named LaFollette, who is, yes, the grandson of Fighting Bob LaFollette, who's pushing 80 and hasn't told us whether he's going to run for re-election in November, but that's besides the point. They stripped him of all substantive powers, and they put his office literally into the basement of the Capitol, and instead they transferred the power to and the authority to administer elections even though if you go back into the Constitution and the case law, the real power and authority uh, to run our elections really rests, and the responsibility rests with the people, with the people, not a government service, not mm-hmm. something we can hire out, not like law enforcement or street repair or something. This is something that we have to take an interest in. So, so the information was more dispersed in Wisconsin with various levels of cooperation uh, between the different cities and the different clerks, unlike in most states where they just had to capture one secretary of state, as for instance, in Michigan, where Center for Tech and Civic Life, funded by Mark Zuckerberg, paid to their secretary of state $12 million for her personal nonprofit corporation before the 2020 election. Wow. And that's on top of the $14 million that Zuckerberg gave to her in her capacity as Secretary of State of of Michigan, Jocelyn Benson. So this is a guy, Zuckerberg was on a declared mission to defeat Donald Trump. So let me talk about this one last organization. This gets me back to Kevin Kennedy and David Becker and the Mark Zuckerberg money. And that is the Center for Election Innovation and Research. I call it CIR, C-E-I-R. That's the one that Zuckerberg gave $69.2 million to in 2020 to do the same kind of work around the country that CTCL did, which is to rig the election and basically perform a get out the vote service. Get out the vote, by the way, had always been a partisan term. It's it's always something that candidates and partisan uh, political parties had always used. Get out the vote is short for get out the vote of those voters who we believe are going to vote for us. That's what it, right. that's what get out the vote stands for. And so Center for Election Innovation and Research is also headed by, say it with me, David Becker. Remember him from the George Soros organization? Uh, Eric, that I was surprised that here I've lived in Wisconsin for 55 years, plus or minus three years out of law school. And I was shocked to learn that no one has a more substantive role in determining who votes in Wisconsin than David Becker does. So it's actually through this other entity, this CIR, Center for Election Innovation and Research, uh, that is the board of directors that Kevin Kennedy sits on. So Megan Wolf, president of ERIC, current administrator of Wisconsin elections, Kevin Kennedy, the guy who hired Megan Wolf and who Megan used to work for, 
the guy who caused the state legislature to dismantle his agency called Government Accountability Board for being hopelessly partisan leftist. That's who sits on the board. So they've got it covered from all angles, I guess is what I'm telling you. No kidding. That's that's incredible. Uh, and and where is the same, uh, I would say, imperative to clean up, uh, as has happened previously, as you point out, in, in Wisconsin? How could David Becker keep re- reappearing? Uh, what's necessary uh, for the state of Wisconsin to get him out of their elections? You know, you've asked two questions, and let me take the first one first. How did it happen? It happened because we have our state's largest source of news in terms of where most people in the state get their news from is this paper owned by Gannett called the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, which I usually refer to as the Milwaukee Urinal Sentinel because it has self-admittedly, it really has, It a few years ago, the publisher, George Stanley, George Stalin Stanley, as I call him, published a, a notice to all readers saying, we are no longer going to simply report the news. We at the Milwaukee Urinal Sentinel are going to incorporate our opinions into our so-called news reporting. So they've gone to a business model where they focus on their uh, urban residents, and, and that's who they try to sell their paper to for the most part. Mm-hmm. But this gets to how did this happen? It happened because George Stanley and the people who worked for him, the scribes, not reporters, the scribes, this is how they want it. They do not think that Americans are smart enough to pick the best leader. They believe, they honestly believe that they are saving the world, that they're saving us from ourselves. And and the amount of arrogance that goes into something like that. But that's how they do it. And if anyone puts their head above the weeds, as I have, and says, listen, this isn't right. Here's, Here's what's going on. Do you know what they do? They scrutinize every, all of a sudden, they, when it comes to me, they've become very watchful guardians of the public purse. I took an out-of-town lawyer who came here to help me. I took him to a local hamburger stand, and I bought him a hamburger. And yes, I bought myself a hamburger, too. What makes the front page headline of the Milwaukee Urinal Sentinel? Mike Gableman buying a hamburger on the public dime. That's well, what they do. And, and they fiercely attack anyone. They, they fiercely attack anyone who comes out and says, it's not right for our cities to have sold out to Zuckerberg and to have turned their election process into a get out the vote campaign. All of a sudden, anyone who challenges that, they are branded in true Stalinist fashion. Those people, and myself, they're they're called racist. They tried that attack a few months ago, but it didn't get any traction. I think people are getting smarter. They tried it. Too. They they float all of the yeah. I, I think that's happening nationwide. Uh, this this uh, wave of wokeness uh, in this country that is is a form of psychosis, as far as I'm concerned. At least the attempt yeah. to induce psychosis uh, has had the the opposite effect. I think there is an awakening. Uh, the, the wokeness uh, and all of the Marxist nonsense that attends the Biden agenda and the radical Democratic Party, I, I, I truly believe the American people have awakened uh, and uh, we're about to see some significant uh, changes. I, I want to ask you. It, I do, too. I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say people. Most citizens, they've got families, they've got jobs, they're trying to keep body and soul together. They're just trying to keep living, right? So they don't have a lot of time to study this stuff. But miraculously, as I have seen it, they get it in their gut. They know when something isn't right. And, and that, I tell you what, the over, over something almost like 60% of Americans have doubt or a high degree of doubt about the legitimacy of the 2020 election that that a majority think it was stolen in one way or another could any could most of those people sit down and write a 500 word essay about the details of that 
They could not, but they get it in their gut the same way they take the measure of a candidate. They don't sit there and read policy papers or position papers. They listen, they watch, they observe, they reflect, and then something intuitive informed by knowledge comes and that the same thing is happening here. The same thing. And we must take it back. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, that, I, I think that's what you're saying is very important uh, because when we have a country, uh, one of the things that people forget is that one of the great successes of Donald Trump was the fact that he was a billionaire populist. Uh, it was not artifice. It was not uh, any kind right. of contrivance. He authentically is a populist. And when he articulated policy in two words, America first, that meant every American uh, had an equal uh, standing and uh, opportunity in this country. And by the way, that's embodied in our law. It's embodied in our Constitution. He was just simply trying uh, his level best against all odds, the the opposition of the establishment, the permanent bureaucracy, the deep state, uh, the leftist uh, Dems, uh, the legal profession, uh, universities and college uh, professors, public school teachers and their unions, all arrayed against him. Oh, I forgot. Corporate media as well. Uh, yeah. and, he, yes. and he persevered. That kind of courage, that kind of... Uh, political judgment uh, and uh, energy to carry it out uh, has made all the difference in this country. I can't imagine where we'd be if it were not for Donald Trump for those four years. We desperately well, that's, need him that's now. Why, that's why one of the underlying currents that had caused me to have doubt right after November 3rd, 2020, right after the election, I, I was mystified because I had never seen, never in my lifetime, had I seen a candidate in President Trump who enjoyed such wide, not just wide support, but deep. I mean, his supporters would have crawled over broken glass to vote for him. Yep. And, and equally, I have never in my lifetime seen such absolute indifference to a political candidate in the body of Joe Biden. Right. I mean, they literally said this guy's best campaign strategy, his best strategy is to stay in his basement and keep his mouth shut. That's why intuitively after the day and the next few days after the election, I, I was really, yeah, I had my doubts, but now I see, now I really, I see how they did it. Lou. I, I see how they did it. It was brilliant but it was also made possible only by the complicity of the corporate media, as well as elected officials who are so afraid of public criticism that the most important thing in their life, I'm not talking like top three, I'm not talking like marriage, God, and then, no, the most important thing in their life is keeping their public office. And so consequently, the most important strategy that they employ is to avoid criticism in the press. And now, now we are seeing the people actually doing the leading. The people are saying, no, something about that 2020 election was not right. And so now I think we're seeing more elected officials being willing to come forward and to be a proponent of deeper and further investigations into determining exactly how far this systemic corruption has gone on and is still going on. Eric is, Eric is a ongoing uh, organization. Center for Election Innovation and Re Research is an ongoing organization. And the Milwaukee Urinal, just like all the other corporate media, re continue to refer to them as nonpartisan election watchdogs, which is a joke, unless your interpretation of that phrase is to say, wholly owned by George Soros, Mark Zuckerberg, and the Democratic Party. That, that is utterly stunning. Uh, a watchdog. Uh, there are nonprofits that are watchdogs. Uh, a, a state that requires a contract with a, a, an organization like that instead of its own secretary of state, its own elections right. commissions, its own uh, system of government, right. lo local, uh, county, uh, and, and state government. My Lord, uh, as well and as. And to rub salt. I'm sorry. And to rub salt in that wound, 
they won't even tell us what the terms of the contract are. For example, Eric, Electronic Registration Information Center, seeded with the money from George Soros, run by the infamous David Becker, with its current president, the head of Wisconsin Elections Commission, Megan Wolf, won't even tell the people they purportedly serve what they do with the information they suck out of the states. For example, we know, we know from the contracts that have been made public in one way or another, that the states who, the 31 states who subscribe to Eric must provide Eric with all of their voter data, identification, everything. Mm -hmm. They also have to provide Eric with all of their Department of Motor Vehicle holders information, all your personal information. If you, if you have a driver's license, all of your information in Wisconsin has been transferred to this private entity controlled by George Soros called Eric. What do they do with it? We don't know because they won't tell us yet. They will. They'll wind up telling us, but they don't want us to know. And and all of these entities that are resisting your subpoenas, uh, whether it's ESS or whether it is Dominion, uh, will, will do you have uh, sufficient legal power behind you to compel enforcement of those subpoenas? I I do, but I've got cow, I've got leftist partisan judges who, in our state, in our state, the vast majority of judges are either to the political left. Or they are so cowed, they are so cowed by the pressure of the bureaucracy as well as they know who the press is going to come out for that just, listen, the, the Speaker of the Assembly was just found in contempt of court by a Madison leftist judge. I've got a Madison leftist judge on my case right now because this thing, this leftist funded partisan leftist called American Oversight is trying to get every scrap of paper that I ever put pen or pencil to. And, and they, <laughs> the judges, including the judges presiding over my case, which, you know, if I could talk to him, I would say he is a coward and he is playing to the leftist partisan. He is playing to the leftist media. He's playing to his leftist electorate. I would say a few other things if I could talk to Frank uh, personally, too. But I've seen him, and I've seen him showboat in court because he knows he's going to be supported in that cocoon of, of, of uh, unrealism called Madison. And he's mm -hmm. coming after me. And, and just like the other judges going after Speaker Voss, he's doing it because it'll know, he knows it'll make points with the leftist press and his leftist constituency. So I can't count on judges. Maybe the state Supreme Court. Maybe. We'll see. That's where it's all going to go, Lou. That's where it's all going to go. And I think our audience is aware of the irony there uh, and, the, and the weight of what you're saying, because we're hearing that from a former justice of the Wisconsin uh, Supreme Court uh, saying maybe uh, when talking about right. uh, the... Uh, the uh, ability of uh, of a high of the highest court of the state uh, to be impartial. It, it's it's staggering. Right. We're seeing this, as you know, across the country. Uh, when I talk about, oh, let the me just correct you, Lou. Really? Let me just let me. I have to correct you. Okay. I know there are going to be three of them on our state supreme court. I know for sure that there are going to be three who are absolute leftist partisans. They ran two out of the three who are more recent. The one is elderly and she's on her way out. But but the younger two, they ran basically on adopting Obama's platform. Okay. Oh I know how those three are gonna vote. They're gonna vote against people being able to know how they're because why? Because they're in favor of the way the partisan election that Joe Biden won, they're in favor of it. The others I'm praying. I know, I know most of them, and I know most of them have courage, and I know most of them are going to follow the law. So we'll see. We'll see. It's well that that is uh, that is encouraging. Uh, I also 
wonder about all of the other aspects of your findings, whether it's the drop boxes, whether it's the nursing homes, there was, I, I mean, that's broad base corruption. Uh, and as it you is. point out, illegality. It is. Right. It, it is illegal. It has been declared. The drop boxes have been declared illegal. And, and I'm so glad you brought up the nursing homes. I, I didn't know if we were going to get into it, but that is such an important topic, how the Wisconsin Election Commission knowingly, and I mean knowingly, they, they, we have Wisconsin's version of C-SPAN called Wisconsin I, E-Y-E. And all of the commissions, all of the Wisconsin Elections Commission's meetings uh, that are open to the public are broadcast on this system. Well, we have the specter of five out of six of the commissioners saying, we know that the law requires special protections for our vulnerable residents of continuing care facilities. And those special protections take the form of what are called special voting deputies. So that when people in continuing care facilities vote, they have in the room with them one representative of each party, obviously to keep the other one honest. And they are trained. They are trained how not to unduly influence the vote of the resident of the continuing care facility. And they take an oath that they will follow the rules. Well, five out of the six commissioners voted many times, many times in the run-up to the 2020 election to throw those laws out the window and to, to ignore ignore the law that said no employee of a continuing care facility may assist a resident of the continuing care facility in filling out the ballot. Now that is as obvious as it is intuitive. You don't want somebody in a vulnerable position like a resident of a continuing care facility to be at the tender mercy of a partisan, someone who may be at, they may be pure as a driven stone, but they're not all pure and none of them have been trained and none of them have taken an oath to do it right. So we had all sorts of nursing home employees filling out the ballots for residents of nursing homes. And we've, we have dozens of families. I don't know the exact number, but we've got dozens of brave families who checked on the wivote.com or wivote.org. And they determined that, that their loved one who'd been institutionalized and in many, in some cases under legal guardianship where their legal right to vote had been removed by the court because of it, because of the infirmities of aging. And here we have in the five Zuckerberg cities, we've got a hundred percent voter turnout in the continuing care facilities, Lou, a hundred percent. Incredible. Well, it's all too believable. And what's unbelievable is that my fellow citizens, well, they need to be, they need to have this pointed out to them. And I need to beg them to, to support me because this is truly a ground up driven investigation. And it's, it's an, what I mean by that is we are directly dependent on the support of the, of the people to continue our investigation. Absolutely. Is there in this, the Republican Party, you have recommended on your findings of your, as, as a result of your investigation, uh, what you've shared with us today and more, you've recommended that the legislature consider uh, to certify uh, the, uh, the election. And you've been met with resistance. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. Now that I have to, I, I really, in my report... I I did put an appendix in there and I laid out people have inferred from the fact that I included a discussion of decertification. Why, why did I include it? Because Lou, I'm retired. I'm not do, I'm not going to run for anything. I'm not looking for anything. I grew up in a lower middle-class background. My dad sold furniture and my mother was, a fifth grade school teacher at the same Catholic school that I attended. I didn't know any lawyers. I certainly didn't know any judges until I went to law school. I want people 
I want my neighbors in my old neighborhood. I want my neighbors in my new neighbor. I want all Wisconsin citizens to know what happened. That's why I'm doing this. And I put the decertification discussion out there to say, yes, it's theoretically possible. There is no process or procedure that's put in place. And I don't know what an order looks like ordering Joe Biden to vacate the White House. I don't know. And I I just, I put in all the obstacles to it. Mm -hmm. I said it's theoretically possible. People have mistakenly taken that as I'm endorsing uh, decertification. Lou, I really believe, just like the Ukrainians are, and I don't know anything about that situation, except I recognize courage when I see it. Yep. And those Ukrainians are marshalling their resources. We who are interested in honest and transparent and accountable elections must, must marshal our resources. And I know people would say, well, we can do more than one thing at a time. Yeah, we can, but often you don't do both things well. Let's first remove the systemic corruption and secrecy and lack of transparency and lack of honesty and lack of accountability from our Wisconsin election system before we start talking about something which at best probably leads to a symbolic gesture. That's my real, I didn't want to pick a a side in that fight. I just wanted to tell people, that's why I put it in the second addendum to my report and not in the report itself. But now that people have been saying that I'm for decertification, I've become a little more explicit in my actual opinion. So if people are supporting me because of that, then I don't deserve their support because I'm not behind it. Right. I I didn't actually infer a recommendation. I I inferred a recommendation for the state uh, authorities to consider that. Uh, That's right. That would be an appraisal. Thank you. That's yes. That's a distinction that gets lost a lot. Yes. But there's another distinction I think that's important in this, and what uh, in uh, my reading of the uh, of the coverage uh, of your investigation, it, it sort of surprised me that because so many of the state legislators started saying, "Well, we don't want to do that," because there's no way in which to uh, remove Joe Biden from office. That really isn't the question. The question is, what does, as you put it. What does an order for the state of Wisconsin uh, to decertify the election? You do have ground rules for that uh, and laws uh, and regulation. And that is well, as I, it's possible. an inherent power. It, it is an inherent power of the legislature to do it. Yes, right. that is true. And, and and what I'm saying is the decertification is on its own uh, merits uh, an important step. Because if the legislature, uh, if, if it can find uh, sufficient uh, courage uh, and objective interest in your report uh, to delve deeper into just the areas that you've talked about here today, uh, it, it seems to me that decertification should be amongst the options that they could choose. And choose they must, because otherwise they are endorsing I 100% they are endorsing corruption in the electoral system of the state of Wisconsin. There is no other conclusion. Well, the available. way you just said it. Yeah. The way, the way you just said it makes absolute sense. I, I had not particularly considered it from that angle. I was just worried that people are sitting out there thinking that I'm saying that, well, this will lead to the removal of Joe Biden from office. And I, I really want to, I, I, I'm not so theoretically maybe, but, but the way you just said it, the way you just said it is exactly, exactly in conformity with what my main point is, which is we can't just do this surface thing of decertification. We've got to dig it up root and branch. How do we beat back George Soros and David Becker? and Mark Zuckerberg, and David Pluff, and the corrupt leftists at the Wisconsin Election Commission. How do we truly set them back? Yeah, yeah, it's... I'm sorry? I'm just sitting here thinking, this is is President Obama. Uh, One of the questions that I hear a lot on uh, on this show uh, is, who is actually running the White House? Who is in charge? Uh, and, you know, some people mean it uh, just exactly as they say it. Some people mean it uh, figuratively. Uh, they're frustrated with the current uh, president. 
But the question is answered in much of what you have said here today. There's a, there is a power in George Soros. His name itself yeah. is power uh, on the left. Uh, and if you say that name cool. in mainstream corporate-owned media, you will have a reflex from management and ownership, I promise you, right. within the week, if not the day. Uh, you, sure. you mentioned that other name, Obama. Ah, but you shouldn't yep. mention that name because that name <sighs> is busy at work and in the shadows. And there is no question of yes, it. And, yeah. and you can follow you can follow the roadmap of his activity, his interest, uh, and his agenda. Uh, it, it when people started talking about the Biden, the Biden presidency as the third term for Barack Obama, they weren't missing the yeah. point uh, by much. But, but you see what they've built. You see what they've built, despite all their money and all of their intellect. And they are smart and they are smart oh, yeah. and dedicated people. Despite everything, they've built a house of cards in, in that what they have built relies upon the lack, the ignorance of the majority of the country, of the citizens of this country. They are banking on the either indifference or selective ignorance or maybe just negligent uh, ignorance. If I, I've said this so many times, if I could sit down with every person in this state and explain it to them, just as you and I have been talking about, I know they would see it my way. And I'm just one guy, Luke. If, right. if one guy can turn a state or really lead an effort, I, I've had a lot of fantastic help, my friend. I have had a lot of fantastic But how insubstantial is any system? The foundation is rotten, and it's weak of what they've built. And it depends on lies, and it depends on the selective uh, uh, ignoring of the issue by the corporate media. And most of all, it relies on the indif indifference of the majority of the American public. But, and that's the part that I can help control. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, I want to, I want to commend you. Uh, courage Thank in you. politics is, is rare. Uh, your, your courage uh, is, uh, is so essential. Uh, getting to the truth uh, is the first beginning in changing, uh, in reforming, uh, doing better uh, as a state, as a country. Yes. And I just applaud you for doing so. I, I, want, to, I want to ask you at, at some point, if we can, at each next step, I'm going to ask you this on the air. I'd like you to come back to give our audience, Thank you. I, 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 to keep us informed, uh, and whatever help we can be to you, we will be delighted, uh, to do uh, whatever you need. Uh, I think I, letters of support to the speaker of the assembly, Robin Voss, because you know what, uh, people in a, first of all, I think being the speaker of any deliberative body is an almost impossible task. Now that I've seen him up front. He's a brilliant, hardworking guy. Yeah. Often they only hear from people who are dissatisfied and who write to criticize or condemn. If he gets support for this effort, if he sees letters of support, people miss people way underestimate the power of a personal letter of support. I'm not talking about these form things that the interest groups have their members send out. If he sees people supporting this, and truly want to get to, as you said, as you said, the, the honest, hard look. I can't remember exactly how you said it, but, but letting people know what's going on. Exactly. If, if he sees people supportive of that, then the more ability I'm going to have to continue. So thank you for bringing that up. That's important. Thank you. I'm, I'm not only an older fellow, but I'm old school in uh, what I used to practice, which was uh, highly independent, highly objective journalism. I no longer practice that. I'm a, I'm a, a, if I'm a journalist at all, I'm an advocacy uh, journalist. But I truly believe uh, to, uh, to the essence of my being that the American citizens right to know 
should be honored by everyone who is a public servant or has any influence whatsoever uh, on the public. And, and the public must demand that the government uh, right. that is supposedly working at the, with the consent of the governed uh, honor that, that right. And too often we now have so many institutions uh, that are designed to, to issue propaganda uh, to do anything but uh, uncover the truth and reveal it to the American people about their government. Uh, I want to. We have a tradition here, uh, Michael, and that is that each of our guests gets always the last word, and I'm going to turn to you for that, if I may, right now. And uh, I want to say to you, you how much we've uh, we appreciate your time and everything you've shared with us here today. It's been absolutely a pleasure. This is a labor of love, and I'm doing it. Just so I'm the only reason I'm doing it is to let everybody know what's happening so that they can decide for themselves, but then more at least as important. And you touched upon this just a moment ago, and you said the people's right to know. And I, believe me, I agree with that. But along with the right to know, the right to know is meaningless without application of the responsibility to manage. We are under the misimpression in this country, and I think we've been so for the last 50 years or so, that we can sort of hire out the management of our country and of our state. At the end of the day, it's up to you, not, not your management, not the government. It's up to you. So thank you. Thank you very, very much, Lou. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this opportunity and, and look forward to talking with you again. Thank you so much, Michael. We, uh, we thank you for your time. Uh, it's been fascinating. Uh, you're serving the people of Wisconsin and indeed the nation uh, so well, uh, so importantly, uh, and we're, we're all in your debt. Michael Gableman, uh, special counsel, uh, great American. We are delighted uh, to have had uh, this opportunity to talk. Look forward to our next talk uh, and uh, God bless you. And uh, Godspeed. Thank Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Astonishing revelations. And as you may have read and heard, there is a tremendous political battle underway in the state of Wisconsin. And the outcome will, we hope, be one that brings greater integrity to the Wisconsin electoral system and a great example for the rest of the states who now are investigating their elections and many of which are preparing to reform their election laws. Our guest here tomorrow is a man who has more than a passing interest in all of this, the integrity of particularly the battleground states, election systems, and count. Our guest will be former President Donald J. Trump. We'll be taking up many of those issues raised by the findings of Special Counsel Gableman. And of course, the biggest scandal in American history. Please join President Trump and me here tomorrow. We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America Show Advisory and Newsletter. Simply go to ludobs.com, that's ludobs.com, and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts as well as our weekly newsletter. I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. Thank you. That's ludobs.com. Thanks. God bless you and God bless America.